Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be with you all in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm encouraged to be here already this morning in Ben's devotional meditation and then also our instruction class. It was an encouraging time. Good to see you, Matt. Looks like you uh, brought the Ford out this morning, or was, is that the Chevy? I forget. I get it mixed up, man. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you here. Blessings to you and your family. Um, we have uh, started here with the uh, book of Philemon, and uh, this is a short little book right in between uh, the letters of Paul, the epistles, and of course this is one of them, but it's just a short little book right in between the uh, Timothy or Titus and Hebrews here. 25 verses, and yet there is so much there that we can draw from. Many, many rich lessons for us coming through in the book of Philemon. Uh, maybe before or as we uh, get into the lesson here, just give a little bit of historical context for this book, for the letter um, that was written to Philemon. It's a little different than the rest of uh, Paul's epistles that he wrote. Um, the other epistles were all written to a, a church or a specific group of people. Um, this is the only one that was written well, directly to an individual. And um, it's, uh, it's a very uh, personal kind of a letter. It has a lot of um, appeals, and, and it's, a, it's just a wonderful uh, little little book here right inserted here between uh, Titus and Hebrews. <clears throat> so Paul was at this time, at the time when he penned this letter, he was on house arrest in, Jeruz in, um, in Rome, um, tied to uh, maybe another soldier or somewhere he was in house arrest. And um, uh, probably after several of his missionary journeys. And the dating here would have been about A.D. 60. Uh, Paul died uh, or was executed about A.D. 67. So this would have been about six, seven years before Paul was executed or martyred for his faith. And so as I think about Paul being on house arrest in Rome and, and just the, the context of what's going on there, Philemon was in the area of um, Colossae, which uh, the Apostle Paul penned a letter to, Coloss to the church at Colossians. So I don't know, was this the same church? We don't know for sure. I tend to think maybe this was not the church at Colossae that Philemon was a part of, but would have been a little further north and would have had his own little house church there. And we'll see that as we go through the lesson here this morning, or the, uh, the passage here this morning. So in the general area of Colossae is where uh, Philemon was, and he had a slave. Philemon was, I believe, uh, a man of some resources at least. And so he had a slave, and his slave's name was Onesimus. And he, stayed, he, was, um, he fled to Rome. And, you know, the, the story there, we'll, we'll get into more details of it as we go, but just a bit of an overview of uh, this uh, letter. So, as I think about Philemon fleeing to Rome, the first question I had was, well, I wonder how far is that? So I looked on the map, and if, if I were to travel today on foot, it would, take me, it would take me about a month to get there if I traveled eight hours a day. Um, and I'd have to take a ferry to go across several bodies of water 
So um, for Onesimus to flee from Philemon was uh, a bit of a journey for him to get all the way over to Rome. And we'll get into more of the details of that later on here as we go through. So that's a bit of the context, the location, the timing. Not long before Paul's death, about 30 years after uh, Christ's ministry first began, this letter was penned to Philemon. <clears throat> I see the, uh, the book laid out into five different sections. The first one in verse 1 through 4, we see Paul the, uh, giving the introduction. Oftentimes, maybe if we write today at the end of the letter, we will say uh, by whoever is writing the letter. But Paul right off starts right up front. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. So he begins with an introduction. And then uh, the second section we see here, um, he describes Christian character in verse 5 through 7. And then he makes an appeal for a brother. This is an appeal for a brother. And verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 8 through 14. And then he makes an appeal to a brother. And we see that in 15 through 22. And then the concluding verses are greetings from fellow brothers, verse 23 through 25. So I would like to work through it in that order this morning. We'll just work through this, these, these uh, several outlines that I have here for, this, for the text. Um, in the introduction, when he opens up the, the, uh, his letter here, he begins by saying, introducing himself, he says, I, Paul, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So he gives some descriptions here of who Philemon is, and then he also gives a description of his condition at this time. And uh, notice how he says here in, the first, in his opening, he says, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Notice what he does not say. He does not say that I'm a prisoner of these Jewish people who put me in, in this situation. I'm not a victim of them, right? It's a technique of what he's saying. He's saying, and he doesn't say that I'm a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In other words, what I believe he's saying is my love for Christ and my love for his ways has landed me in prison. And I'm here because of that. And we don't hear any complaints at all coming through from Paul for being a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Could that be my testimony? Would that be my testimony if I would end up in prison for something uh, for the cause of Christ? Or if I was a captive somewhere for the cause of Christ, would I say I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ? because of my love for him. I found that as a challenge in his opening. I'm in prison because of my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Philemon here we see is a subject, and we see here early on that he was a believer. Uh, Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And verse 2, uh, we see... A bit more description here. There is various uh, 
scholars that will have different uh, views or ideas about this. I believe, though, that this was most likely a Fia and Archippus here were uh, probably the wife. Uh, Aphia would have been the wife of Philemon, I believe. And then uh, Archippus would have probably been maybe a son or a fellow pastor in the church. We don't know that for sure. Uh, I take the position, I believe this was his, his wife and his son, is my belief system. And the reason I believe that is because uh, later it says, and to the church in thy house. And so I believe he's addressing Philemon, his wife, and his son, and the church in his house. I, I don't, I wouldn't, if somebody would be different on that, that's okay. I, it's, either way, it doesn't really matter too much, but I found it an interesting observation anyway. So Philemon, uh, we see, was, I believe, a man of uh, somewhat, he had influence, and he would have been one who, um, who, um, was a leader in the church in some way um, because we see the church was meeting here in his house. Um, and verse 3, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul extends uh, well wishes to him, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see here in the first four verses, we see, I believe what comes through here is that, um, I get my names interchanged here a little bit, Philemon, Philemon was, was not, he was more than just a acquaintance of Paul's. I believe Philemon was a very personal friend to Paul. Uh, we see in verse four, he says, I thank my God making mention of the always in my prayer. So Paul was continually praying for Philemon, and he was making mention of the always. So somewhere, I believe, in his missionary journeys, he would have interacted with Philemon, and uh, maybe he stayed there. Uh, we see later on here um, in verse 22, he says, but withal prepare me also a lodging. Uh, Paul's saying, for when I come back, prepare me a lodging. And so, I don't know, I, I like to think that maybe Paul stayed with Philemon and they got really close uh, during one of his missionary journeys. And uh, Paul uh, would have probably encouraged him in some ways. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it, I believe they were a very close, had a very close relationship. As we've seen, I, I believe, according to the way the text is written, Paul was probably, or I'm sorry, uh, Philemon was probably a man with, uh, with some resources and maybe significant resources. Uh, we see verse 5 through 7 that he was a man of benevolence. He was a man who loved. He was kind. Uh, he was a servant, I believe, in many ways. Um, but Philemon had a servant, and his servant's name, Onesimus, had done something to Philemon. Onesimus wronged Philemon in some way, and then he fled to Rome. Onesimus, the slave, prior to him interacting with, uh, with the apostle Paul in the prison in Rome, was not a believer. He was a slave of Philemon's. He was not a believer, Onesimus. And, uh, I believe according to how he acted out or what he would have done, 
be a strong indication he was not a believer. Actually, Paul says he was the father of his faith. And so, yeah, certainly he was not a believer. And um, so whatever happened there, it's interesting. You know, I, I, as I looked at the story, I said, so what, 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 did, what did Onesimus do? What did he do? Um, and there is several uh, different theories in this, but um, in verse 11, uh, we see Paul says this about, he says this about Onesimus, which in time past was to the unprofitable. Okay? In time past, he was to the unprofitable. Okay? So Onesimus is working for, is working for Philemon, and now Paul is saying that, uh, acknowledging Onesimus was, was unprofitable to you. He, he was no good. You had him as a slave, as a servant, which a slave then was, had different connotations than slaves did in, in our early history here in, in the United States. It was a bit different. They had some privileges and some rights, which we won't get into that. But um, so Onesimus, Paul says he was, use, he was um, unprofitable. In other words, kind of a useless worker. All right. And so then in verse 18, some people take this to say that he would have stole something from Philemon. And verse 18 is, if he hath wronged thee or of thee ought, put that on mine account. Uh, he may have. I tend to think, though, that maybe this, maybe he was, in the sense of being unprofitable servant, uh, maybe rather than having stolen something from Philemon, I would be of the persuasion that he maybe just was lazy and careless in some way, and maybe he would have, uh, I don't know, did some, did some oxen die or did, some, did a herd of sheep were they destroyed because of something he did? Uh, that would be my persuasion. I believe he was just uh, unprofitable in the sense he was lazy and careless. And so he caused some kind of loss to um, Philemon, which, yeah, so I believe he was, was probably more uh, just a poor management of resources and maybe there was a destruction of uh, some property there. In any case, whether he stole something or whether that was the case, whatever the case was, um, Onesimus ended up being in a place where he was afraid of Paul, um, uh, afraid of Philemon. So something happened that Philemon could have uh, acted out under the Roman law. He was legal to do this. Um, Philemon had a right, I believe, for, for some reason which, whatever it was, Philemon was frustrated. And Onesimus probably had good reason to be afraid of Philemon because of what he did. Because under the Roman laws, the masters had the right to punish slaves severely and even with heavy beatings if these kind of things would have happened. And especially if Onesimus was that kind of a slave that was unprofitable and was useless, okay? So apparently, um, Anosimus was so worried about Philemon's response to whatever happened that he decided, you know what, it's too risky for me to stay, I'm leaving. And so he leaves. And he runs. He runs for 30 days. He goes all the way over to Rome. And I have wondered, as I was studying this, there's no way to tell. 
but I have wondered why did he choose to go to Rome? Why Rome? Why not just, why not Jerusalem? Or why not, I don't know, why Rome? We'll get into that a little later on. The way in which Paul frames his appeal to Philemon here now, Paul now plays the role of intercessor in this, in this, in this story, Paul is entering into this, and he starts to play. He's going to play the role of an intercessor. The, this letter really is a letter of reconciliation and forgiveness. Reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, let's first, as Paul um, plays the role of intercessor, there's some things here that we can learn about Paul and in how to deal with situations like this. It's, it's a fascinating, fascinating study. I'd encourage you to dig into it sometime. Um, verses 5 through 7 in the text here this morning. I think I'm just going to read uh, the verses as we go through this here. Um, he, tells, he, he describes to Philemon what his perspective is of Philemon, of who Philemon is. And he says in verse 5, he says, Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing Paul does is he says, Philemon, I know that you love Jesus. I know you love the Lord Jesus. He's describing Christian character here. 1 Peter, verse 7 through 8, says this. He says, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen, having not seen Jesus, you love. In whom, though now ye see him, not yet believing, ye receive with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Paul describes Philemon as a man who loves Jesus. Acts chapter 21, verse 13 says this, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only. In other words, I'm, I'm okay. Sure, put me in prison. I'm willing to do that, but not only that. He says, But also to die at Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. Basically what Paul is saying is saying, I love Jesus so much that I would, I would keep on doing what I'm doing even if it cost me my life. I would die for the sake of Jesus. This is a test for Christian character. Would I do that? Am I willing to die for Jesus? If I'm called to go somewhere to serve, and be put in harm's way, would I, would I be willing to die for Jesus? Or, or not? Would I? <clears throat> the second thing we see here with uh, Philemon in verse 6, that the communication of that faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's still in verse 5. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead of myself here. 
hearing of thy love and faith, so he, we, he sees that he has a love for the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, okay? So that's the second thing that Paul points out. He says that you have a love and a faith in Jesus, and your second thing is you have a love for all the saints, for all the brothers. Um, and it's just, I believe Paul does this intentionally. He's saying, if, I recognize that you love Jesus, but you also, it's evident that you love Jesus because you love all the saints. You love all the brothers, he says here. I believe it is, uh, it is safe to say that our love for our brothers is a, is a gauge in which we could say, could be measured, how much do we love Christ? Our love for our brothers, how much do we love Christ? <clears throat> love towards all the saints. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved ye, that ye also love one another. By this, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And um, Ben had pointed that out in our the devotional meditation this morning. I appreciate it very much. This is where the rubber meets the road for the Christian. How much do we love each other? Sure, we can say we love Jesus and we will do anything. We will die for him. What about our brother? Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 reads like this. He says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And, he's, and here we see this word, bowels of mercy. Kindness. The idea of bowels of mercy has the idea of compassion, something that's flowing from deep within. Compassion. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Long-suffering? That is the idea of suffering for a long time. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like to suffer. I don't enjoy it at all. And if I know, I gotta, if I know there's something I'm going to need to endure, I like to endure it and get it over with and get on to the next thing. Not so in our brotherly relationships. I believe it requires willingness to suffer long with a fellow brother. And it says forbearing one another. I mean, forbearing one another, giving preference, saying, yeah, and forgiving one another. Then he brings this around in Colossians here. He says, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So he's saying, listen, the way you relate to each other, relate to each other in the same way that you would relate to Christ. That's why he's saying, because you deserve death, but Christ died in your place. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you deserve something you didn't get, go ahead and extend that to your brother. This could be hard work. And above all these things, put on charity, which in the, is in the bond of peace. And the, and the Apostle Paul here acknowledges that 
that, um, that Philemon has these characteristics. He's saying, Philemon, I see this in you. This is who you are. Sorry, I... <clears throat> I I'm, the clocks that I'm seeing are definitely not right time, so I... Yeah, we're good. I got it. <clears throat> okay, so that's the one thing. And then in verse 7 we see, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because bowels of... Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Do you get it? Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. So Paul's saying, I know that you love Christ. I know you love Jesus. And I know that you love your fellow brothers. But he's saying, you know what? I also know something else about you, Philemon. You are an encourager to your fellow brothers. I'm going to read it in the NL, NLT translation. I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. This is how he appeals, first of all, to Philemon. He says, Philemon... I know these things are true about you. I know you had a slave, a runaway slave here, and Osimus, he didn't treat you right. I know these things are true about you, though. Is it safe to say that a true test of a Christian character is our love for Jesus, our love for our fellow brothers, and are you, are you refreshing the fellow brothers around you, brothers and sisters around you? Are you refreshing to them? Is it true that if we want to measure to see how we're walking in our Christian life, if we will put ourselves through this test, love for Jesus, love for your fellow brothers, and are the brethren refreshed by you? This was a test that Paul, that Paul had for Anesimus. I'm sorry, for um, Philemon. <clears throat> I believe it is a true test of Christian character. Paul now goes on in verses from 8 through 12. Paul begins to make an appeal for Onesimus. Okay, so now he was talking to Philemon. He's still talking to Philemon, but he's going to talk about Onesimus now. And uh, from verse 8 through uh, 12. In verse 8, he says, the word um, here he says... Uh, <laughs> It's interesting how, how, he, how he does this. <laughs> so he's saying, to, he's saying to Philemon, he's saying, hey, I know these things are true about you, Philemon. And then he says in verse 8, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, then join thee that which is convenient. What is he saying here? When he, when he said this, what is he saying? It took me a little bit. To, yeah, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, that's, that's right. He's basically saying, now, Philemon, I know all these things are true about you, but you know what? I can command you to do this. And it would be right for me to do so. That's right. Then he goes on in verse 9. He says, yet for love's, thing, for love's sake, I rather beseech you. 
Then he goes back to himself again. He says, being such a one as Paul, the aged. In other words, he's saying, I'm an old man. And now I'm also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He goes on again. He says, I beseech thee. Twice he says, I beseech thee. The idea of beseech has the idea of begging or to implore, to, to really, really desire something very much, not just a little bit, but like really desire this. And it, that's what he's saying. He says, I beseech thee. And he says, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. So what he's saying, Onesimus came to me in prison, and I was instrumental in his conversion in prison. I had begotten in my bonds when I was in prison. Then he goes on and says, you know, I know, he, was, he did something to you. He was unprofitable. But, he says, now since he's a Christian, since he is now following Christ, he says, now he's going to be profitable to both of us. Okay? He's profitable to both of us now. And um, I, I am just moved by this story. I, I, it, you know, as a preacher, sometimes you, you feel convicted in your own heart about things when you study. And um, do I have this kind of compassion? Do I have this kind of love? Is something, does this kind of compassion compel me to do the right thing? So, <clears throat> one of the things with, as we think about the ministry of Jesus, and Paul here now making intercession for Onesimus, um, probably one of the things that is most memorable in Jesus' ministry on earth is things like his kindness and his pity. <coughs> I mean, we know for sure that he cared about theology and he cared about um, truth and those things. He had passion and he cared a lot about those things. In fact, he corrected many of the false uh, things that were around at that time. But it is these things that really, really draw us to him. It is his love for others, Christ's eagerness to forgive, his willingness to suffer that others would not have to. It's stories like raising from the dead, comforting the living, and curing the sick. I think about the leper who came to Jesus. And, um, you know, he came and he begged Jesus to heal him. And Jesus reached out and touched him. Touching a leper? A leper? You never touch a leper. You might get it yourself. They were the outcast of society. Jesus reaches out and he touches and cares for them. He restored the lame. He fed the hungry. He shepherded the lost and the hurt and frightened. And then he even died on the cross for those who hated him. 
That's love in action. <clears throat> and that's what draws us to him. And here we see the Apostle Paul making these same kinds of pleas to Philemon. <clears throat> Verse 13 and 14, we see, uh, Whom I have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. And then 14, well, Without thy mind I should, uh, would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Now he goes to Philemon, he says, Philemon, you know, he was, Onesimus is really useful to me here. Could have kept him here. But I wouldn't want to, I would not have wanted to do that without your blessing. Right? And so he says, I'm going to send him back to you. So let's go back to Onesimus' journey here. So Onesimus was, did something where he needed to flee from Philemon. And so he's running. How did he end up in Rome? There's a, there's a phrase here in 15 where I'm, I'm just thrilled by this. It, 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 it just puts a, a, a whole twist into this story. Verse 15, Paul says, For perhaps... For perhaps. You ever heard somebody say, like, God told me to do this? Or God told me to go here? Well, the Apostle Paul here says, for perhaps. For perhaps. For perhaps what? He therefore departed for a season that thou should receive him forever. God was at work in this situation and I believe that I don't know who directed his steps to Rome. Did he know Paul was in Rome? I don't know. There's no way to know that. But we know that he ended up in Rome somehow. Through God's providence, somehow he ended up there in the prison with Paul. There's some speculation that could be done. Was he, was he running? He would have been a fugitive slave at this time. Was he running? Did he get caught? Did he get thrown in prison? Probably not because Paul was in house arrest. But how did he end up in, with Paul in house arrest? Um, did he, hmm, well, maybe, maybe he got a job. And he ended up going in with Paul and serving him there. I, we don't know. I, those details are not recorded for us. But nonetheless, Paul says, for perhaps. Maybe all these things happen, Philemon. So that you should have him back again forever sometime. So that he could be, be, so that he could give his life to Christ, follow after Christ, and then come back and serve you again. In fact, I have my own theory on this, but in Colossians it actually refers to him again, and uh, he's recorded traveling with one of Paul's other companions. And so, um, my persuasion is that I believe he ended up, um, he ended up serving alongside of Paul's other companions in the ministry. Philemon probably released him. Again, I, I'm reading into some things, but it's fascinating. <clears throat> we know that all things work together for, the, for good to them that, are, that love God and to them who are called according to his purposes. We see this happening in Esther's situation as well. 
you know, in Esther's situation, Mordecai, I said to Esther, he said, now Esther, you know, he said, um, maybe you are here for such a time as this. Maybe that's why you became queen, so that you could do this at this time. He reminded her that God wasn't limited to using her, but maybe he would like to. And so, I believe our cooperation with God in times such as that can be a, we can be used as an instrument for the kingdom. <clears throat> Verse 16 and 17, he says, Now as a servant, but above a servant, a beloved brother, specially to me, but how much more you, Philemon, both in the flesh and in the Lord, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as you would me. In other words, what he's saying, Philemon, I know that if I would come down the road today, you would receive me very happily. So now here comes the reconciliation part. Onesimus fled, ran away. He was a fugitive slave. He's in Rome. He's converted. The Apostle Paul writes a letter. And he says, Onesimus, take this back to Philemon. If I was Onesimus, I would say, well, how about you get um, Marcus to take it? Or uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Luke could take it over or somebody. Like, you mean me? Do you know what Philemon might do to me? Paul, do you know that? Do you know, my life could be on the line, Paul. I don't know. Did they have the conversation before he left? Certainly that was, that could have all happened. He was a fugitive slave. He ran away. For Onesimus to, for, I'm sorry, for Onesimus to go and hand deliver this note to Philemon took a tremendous humbling on his part. It is a true evidence that he was truly converted for him to be willing to travel these 30 days back all the way back to to the Asia Minor there and deliver this this letter back to Philemon here he comes down the road if I was an SMS at this time my heart would be pounding I don't know what's he gonna do knock on the door and here comes his wife and says sure I'll go get him for you and here comes Philema, he says, Onesimus, what are you doing here? I like to think he was probably kind. But certainly, Onesimus still knew that he could do whatever he wanted to do with him. And uh, he said, I have a letter here from Paul. Would you read this before you punish me? Maybe something like that transpired. I, I likely it did. Maybe Onesimus had a traveling companion. We don't know. Nonetheless, he was the one who delivered the letter to Philemon. Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. Um, he says this, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, Let's just turn there. Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. 
starting reading in verse 8, he says, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose. I'm sorry, starting reading verse 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Here's the phrase. With Onesimus. A faithful, here he describes Onesimus. He describes him as faithful, and he describes him as a beloved brother. And he also says, he is one of you. He says, they, Onesimus, and Tychicus shall make known unto you all the things which are done here. Tremendous story of reconciliation. And I, I really believe that, the, that uh, Philemon uh, released Onesimus and he became a servant for, for Paul. According to this text, he was traveling at least with Tychicus doing the work of the ministry. A fugitive slave ended up in Rome somehow with Paul, was converted, is back to his, back to his slave owner, releases him, goes to work in the ministry. Stories of reconciliation and forgiveness. Verse 18 and 19, we see again Paul here, he pleads with uh, Philemon to forgive, to forgive Onesimus. He says, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee anything, he said, charge it to me. And he says, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. And he says that, trust me, Philemon, I will pay it. Whatever it is, I will pay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self. So he says, you know, I'll, I'll pay everything, but I'd just like to remind you that you actually owe me yourself too, because, I don't know, was it because of, um, did Paul lead him to Christ? Did he save his life maybe somehow? I don't know. Somehow he said to him, um, you owe your own self to me. <laughs> and so he... Paul has just a tremendous way of appealing here to, to, um, to Philemon. Charge it to my account. In other words, the Apostle Paul understood something about Jesus and forgiveness. Because that's how it is for us too, right? We, we, we are debtors. Jesus came and he forgave, completely forgave. He was saying... Perhaps it was to reinforce uh, for Philemon here um, what Jesus taught in the story of the Good Samaritan. Don't be like the priest and the Levite here, but, but as a Samaritan, charge it to my account. Go ahead, just charge it to my account. And finally, in his concluding verses, actually in verse 21 here he says, um, that he encourages him, he says, refresh my bowels in order to encourage my heart in doing this for Onesimus. And verse 21, having confidence in thy obedience, he says, I'm confident you're going to do this, Philemon. 
knowing that thou wilt also do more than what I say. So he's saying you could keep him. And in fact, I believe we see that Philemon actually did that. He released him. And so he did over and above what the Apostle Paul had asked him, had pleaded with him to do. We see his Christian character coming through. <clears throat> and finally, at the end here he says, But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. In other words, I'm coming. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ. Apparently Epaphras was with him in prison. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Demas and Lucas, my fellow laborers, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And what is significant to me, I, I've, I've been reading through some of Paul's letters in my personal devotion time, and I've noticed often at the end of his letters, he names specific names of people that he's close to. And so you see Paul having a network of people that he's close to. And... Uh, I think it speaks for us today. We have a network of people that we are close to and interact with on a regular basis. Let's kneel together for prayer. <clears throat>